0: Hey folks, welcome to a special emergency session of the DC3 cast. I am Brian, with me as always are Vince and Zach. We're talking about Death Metal, number one, Dark Knight's Death Metal, written by Scott Snyder, illustrated by Greg Capullo. Uh, this is the culmination of nearly 10 years of Capullo-Snyder stories, and um, Vince is going to be our captain for this week, taking us through page by page, so... I think this goes without saying, but if you haven't read Death Metal Number One, don't listen to our podcast yet. Go read it, come back, and we're gonna go page by page on this, and hopefully, you guys will uh, enjoy this deep dive into the book. So, Vincey, take us away.
1: All right. So before we start, uh, I kind of just want to set the deck by saying, by asking you guys um, what your anticipation level. Was like for this or, you know, how your feel? How, how are you, what are your thoughts going into death metal about DC or Snyder, what Snyder's been doing or how you felt about this event? Um, Brian, why don't you start?
0: Sure. Um, well, I, I'm sort of of two minds about this stuff. On one hand, I feel like the last time that we had encountered anything with within this world was some time ago now. And so it, it sort of feels like it's not very, um, I don't know if essential is the right word, but it just, it feels like it's sort of been in the background for a while. So I wasn't like frothing at the mouth over this. Can't wait to see it. Can't wait to see it. It just kind of, you know, it's, it's been coming for a while. Um, but I think that Snyder is one of the best hype men in comics. And I've talked with him now twice about this series and every time I've I've left my conversation with Snyder, I've been gung-ho for it. So, on one hand, I'm hyped because it's Snyder and he's good at hyping this stuff. On the other hand, I feel like this is not... In in combination with, like, the, the lockdown and all the other really important stuff happening in the world right now, I just haven't been thinking about new comics that much. And the fact that there was almost a six-month layoff between the end of Justice League and this issue. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Zach, what do you think?
2: I, like, wasn't super excited about this until, like, maybe, like, the weeks leading up to it and the, the like, marketing push really started to do its thing. Um, so that's just the sign that it works. We're all a victim of marketing. <laughs> No, I I mean, like, anytime Scott, like, starts talking this stuff up, you, like, get excited because his energy is infectious. But, like, um, yeah, kind of like, Brian, like, I'm just not very interested or, like, very engaged, I guess I should say, in, like, current DC continuity leading up to, you know, the coronavirus shutdown. Everything was just really spinning its wheels. Like, I was kind of down on even you know, Snyder's Justice League, and all the infected stuff, and and just, like, the freaking Batman who laughs, like, my word. Um, <laughs> but, like, once everything kind of started to shake out with the 5G stuff, and, like, with that seeming to, like, not be moving forward, and it definitely seems like whatever metal has become is going to be setting the groundwork for the new status quo moving forward. And it really seems like Snyder has like the intention of this being like the jumping point for like a whole new thing. Um, or at least that's kind of what it's been repurposed into. I'm very, very excited to see where it's going to go. And um, also just like, as it became more clear, like what the book was as like, kind of like the ultimate crisis um, and just us going through all of the event books that I think that has also made me a lot more excited about it.
1: Yeah. I'm glad you brought that last thing up, Zach, about this, about um, this springboarding into the next thing, you know, I mean, events do that, right? Like that's just generally what these earth shattering events at comic book companies do, but I think it's telling we can use a little bit of conjecture here that the way that Snyder has talked about this event has changed um, pre Dan leaving and post Dan DiDio's leaving. Um, some of this also involves a little bit of rumor, you know, r- rumor has it that uh, Snyder and company didn't really want to inject too much of the 5G stuff into this because he felt it didn't fit with, the story that they were telling. I mean, part of that is rumor and and part of it is basically if you, if you read in between the lines for some of the stuff that Scott has said on a uh, interview that was on this very show, I believe. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, we can pretty much say that, you know, his vision didn't really initially line up with what DC was going to do after this. And now I just read an interview with comics beat where he's talking about how this sets up the the status quo that comes next. And he seems really forthcoming and jazzed and excited about what that is, which again, you know, kind of with with what we've been hearing and what we've been seeing as far as solicitations is concerned, isn't the the 5G type stuff that we were expected. And we don't know what it is next, or maybe it is a version of that, but it's changed, you know, Uh, whatever the case, I, I think it's it's instructive to pay attention to what Scott has been saying lately about what this book is going to be accomplish, accomplishing for the DCU setting forward, and I think that um, that's got you know I was looking forward to 5G or or what our idea of what the, of what that was going to be was, but uh, you know like you said Brian he's such a good hype man like I can only be excited for for what comes after this too and just this sh- death metal showing up this is kind of like the first salvo to me of like we're back now comics are back that's not to you know say anything against a, a, a month of some solid comics that DC has put out before this but this is the first like momentous thing that has happened since um comics started shipping again you know and i think it 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 really kicks it off nicely. Should we get should we get started here and and talk about this first page because this first page kind of plays into that a little.
0: Go for it, man. All
1: right. So on page one we see Sergeant Rock in a bunker somewhere. Uh, he turns on a little light bulb uh, hanging out over his head, and he's basically talking to the reader. And this is something that Scott mentioned in the interview with you, Brian. I, he's mentioned in a couple other interviews um, how this is basically the D- Snyder and the creative team's message to the readers and the retailers, welcoming them back to comics, um, basically uh, rallying the troops, as it were, um, for whatever's coming ahead. He's talking to the audience in these panels. It's quite a playful sequence. I, re- I really like what Capullo does here. I love that he's smoking three cigarettes <laughs> yeah. at one time. Um, I kind of wish they would have either let uh, Scott say shitburger or <laughs> that they would have edited it so that it was shitburger instead of turdburger. <laughs> <Right. laughs> Just from an aesthetic point of
2: view. <laughs> in the interview... Yeah, it, it, oh, go ahead, Zach. Well, I was going to say, it's like funny, I guess, that he doesn't get to when like John's got to like go full-on cursing in Doomsday Clock, which
0: that was was not come on yeah
2: well yeah but i mean this is edgy in a different way and it's not like that was like a black label book or anything so that
0: yeah when that is collected that is 100 percent a black label book
2: yeah yeah yeah, but it it wasn't like released that way at first or anything you know it was still like a dc universe title i guess so yeah i i agree vince like it it feels a little censored in that way yeah yeah, so, and plus, in the interview
1: with, with Brian, he kept saying Shitburger, you know, mm-hmm. so I was like, I was waiting to hear "shit Um But anyway, uh, so then on the second page, we get the title page, the credits, we get a map of the DCU, and I love how they're just flat out calling it the DCU. They're just saying, like, mm-hmm. this is the DCU. Again, that's something Snyder highlighted in interviews, that this isn't some alternate you know, this is the DCU as it stands right now, right?
0: Um of Which course, of course you got is, your... like, is, is like the most problematic thing to say because there's a hundred <laughs> other books happening that have nothing to do with this. But you right.
1: know, right? But you have you have to just use your your reader's imagination to say that this is set after or before whatever books are currently running. You know, mm-hmm. and hope that they sort that. I don't. I don't really care, but. People really care whether it's sorted out or not. So, you know, hopefully they do. Uh, It's instructive that the the world here is shaped like the bat symbol, basically. Um, Basically, everything in this story is a bat, you'll find out. (laughs) One way or another, you know, we see Castle Bat, uh, which may or may not have been architecture created by a sentient uh, bat, uh, city. Uh, by the
0: time <laughs> the listeners hear this, they will know all about that because Scott talked yeah. about that with me again today.
1: Right. Yep. Um, of course, you on the title page you've got your typical uh, nicknames for everybody that are you know heavy metal or hair metal related. Um, some cute stuff if you if you read through there. I'm not going to read any of that. Uh, one interesting thing about the map is that it says. Fall of Captain Adam, on one of the uh, locations here, which I think is interesting because the rest are all like Arkham Wastelands. There's Hell. There's Themyscira. There's m- Megapocalypse, but then there's Fall of Captain Adam, which isn't that doesn't really sound like a location, unless that is the location where Captain Adam fell at some point or another. That is, that and is exactly what that is. And is that in reference to? Uh, when he confronted Lex Luthor at the start of do you remember that that lead in to the Scott Snyder Justice League? Um I can't remember the name of the the issue, but it was like a one shot issue that had like three different stories in it.
0: Was it the new comic book I mean the free comic book day issue? It
1: may have been, but it was Captain Adam like flying up and confronting Lex Luthor, and that's when Lex Luthor committed suicide. And potentially killed Captain Adam, too?
0: Um, I, I don't know. Snyder does talk about that in the chat. I, I keep referencing this. By the time you guys hear this, on on Tuesday, at some point, you will get a uh, an episode of the DC3 cast, which is just me and a bunch of other comic writers talking to Scott Snyder in a, a roundtable that DC threw together today. So he talks about a lot of this, but he doesn't say, like, specifically what it is. He doesn't say if it's new or that, but he does say that Captain Adam essentially gets – at some point has fallen and that it's like a, it's like a washed out uh, nuclear war zone there. Sure.
1: Okay. Uh, then moving on, we've got um, our first glimpse into hell, which is formerly Themyscira. And we see Wonder Woman working with the, uh, with the chainsaw of truth, I believe is what, what it's being referred to as. Um, and we'll find out later that she's, actually carving up the invisible plane.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um because uh the Batman Who Laughs ordered her to. And um she's currently working as like a warden to hell for the Batman Who Laughs. Um what do you guys think of the the chainsaw of truth, the Wonder Woman's role in all of this? Um I mean, I think it's cool. I think it's cool that she's front and center in this.
2: Yeah, I think her role in this is very cool. Like, the Chainsaw of Truth is just, like, very goofy. Like, Snyder Capullo, like, superhero nonsense. And it's, like, it's fine, you know, for, like, what it is. It looks really cool. And, uh, yeah, no. But it, yeah, Wonder Woman's role in this and being front and center, I think, is really, really good. Um, and I think it's cool that she's paired with, uh, this version of Swamp Thing too, which it's, like, fun to think about. Swamp Thing was, like, one of Scott's, like, earliest DC projects, um, too. So that's kind of cool, coming back full circle to that. Um, Yeah.
0: My only note on the Wonder Woman stuff that you guys didn't say, I do think it's cool. I like seeing her front and center. But there was a show on TV when I was in college called Joan of Arcadia and it was very clear yeah. that the pun was thought of before the plot of the show was like they they decided on a title and they're like oh yeah let's do that and then the show was just like whatever they needed it to be to make that title work and i yeah. feel like chainsaw of truth is an idea they like wrote on a whiteboard but no one really knew what it meant until like they until they were knee deep into this it just it feels it feels a little bit like uh a style over substance idea so sure. far um, and that's yeah. actually that that's my note on Wonder Woman in general here I feel like if there's one character who wouldn't be the warden of hell it would be Wonder Woman like it just seems like it's not really in her character to be that way
1: yeah and yet I think i think it, i'm I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt that if you read between the lines she just thinks that that's where she can do her best um to kind of a plot in secrecy and perhaps
0: yes, yes. eventually
1: overthrow things you know um, but you're right you're right that seems out of character for her but then again we haven't seen like as far as we know she hasn't done anything terrible yet you know she hasn't, mm-hmm. she hasn't done anything out of character she may be in a role that's out of character but she hasn't done anything against her character yet sure does that make sense
0: yeah absolutely
1: so, so yeah, I, I, I get that. Um, okay, so then on the next page, Zach alluded to this already, but we see Swamp Thing, but we see a very burned-out husk of uh, Swamp Thing, um, and she's, she's, uh, he's kind of uh, Wonder Woman's partner in hell right now, I guess. Um, Swamp Thing brings an announcement that uh, a prisoner is being brought to Diana in hell, Ah, uh, with three bats as guardians, which s- strikes uh, Diana as unusual, because um, you know normally they don't need that many guardians. So it must be somebody pretty powerful. We'll find out who that is in a little bit. Um, on page five, we see various rogues behind bars as as Diana's walking. Uh, I'm through. sorry,
0: Vince. Can I just say one quick Swamp Thing thing? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I find it. I mean, Swamp Thing's origin. I mean, he's not quite. Hawkman in terms of being confusing but uh, but but there are certainly different versions of him and I find it very interesting that Snyder is choosing to call him Alec because in a lot of Swamp Thing stories Swamp Thing is not Alec Holland he was like a swamp creature who thought it was Alec Holland that was the big Alan Moore thing that he was never like a human and and yeah. here he is clearly going with no this is Human Alec Holland became Swamp Thing.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I think that like that was what Scott did in his yes. Swamp Thing run. Yes. was yes. make him Alec Holland again. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But good of you to
1: point that out because that's yeah, and yeah, that is that is that was Snyder's deal. So okay, um, so they're walking through the the the. Prison of Hell, and we see uh, rogues like the Riddler, Killer Croc, uh, Captain Cold's there, Eclipso, I think, uh, Joker, uh, a few others that we can't really make out. Um, And the Joker is wearing bat sunglasses as a gag, (laughs) which Alec grabs with a a rooted tentacle and, and says that that symbol is forbidden except for the Batman who laughs, Dark Knights are allowed to wear the bat symbol. So... Um, I think that's just a little storytelling beat to, to give you a a glimpse into how things are going on in the DCU right now, as far as bats are concerned. Um, on page six is where we find out that Diana was disposing of the jet with the chainsaw. Um, and we see a red Batman, which we'll find out is a version of Batman Beyond. They're referred to as Beyond later. Um, Bat Mage, and... Are, are we going with B-Rex? Is that what we're calling the...
0: I believe so, the, yes. The Bat
1: Dinosaur? I believe they're referred to as B-Rex later in the issue. Um, They're the ones bringing the prisoner, who's wearing a hood right now. We can't tell who it is at this point. Um, This person is not going into a cell. They're going into the Tartarus Pits. Um, And... It's kind of a fun, fun little bit on this page where uh, the B Rex and Wonder Woman are kind of trading, trading insults. He's a very aggressive dinosaur, very neurotic. I feel
0: the way Scott described him today. I'm sorry to keep like referring back to this interview, but no, um, is that in this in this future scenario in this rather alternate scenario, um. The Bat cave is falling on top of Bruce, and so he uploads his consciousness into the dinosaur and that's it. but the dinosaur's brain is not advanced enough to handle Bruce's intellect, and so the dinosaur is like constantly frustrated that it can't properly express itself or do do bat things well enough
1: that's that's wonderful, yeah, that's wonderful that's such a snyder um idea because. You know, Snyder had the. Snyder had that. Well, it was in the. It was in the. Um. The the last night on Earth, right? Mm-hmm. The like, idea that, Bruce is uploading, his consciousness into, you know, clones or whatever.
0: <laughs>
1: and, um, so it's kind. Of, it's almost a play on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, on the next page we get them opening the Tartarus pits. Um, one thing that's interesting about the Tartarus pits, I, I don't know if this is supposed to be the same thing or if it's just a coincidence because Tartarus, I believe, was the the realm that acted as a prison for the, tit- the Greek titans, I think. Do you guys be- know anything I about that? I believe that's correct. Yeah, I think that's right. And so I think that's, you know, it's symbolic to call it that when you're putting, you know, potential Titans, uh, literal Titans, we'll find out, um, in the, you know, in the pits of hell. But uh, Venditti's Justice League, I, you guys probably haven't read it, but the latest issue of his Justice League also involves something called the Tartarus Pits. Oh. Yeah. It's And uh, the Spectre plays a role in that too so i kind of think it is related i kind of think it's probably worth going back and maybe reading the last couple of venditti i don't think it helps you understand this comic at all like i don't think it would be necessary but there is a potential link there and i do think snyder said that he's trying to link the venditti stuff to to this story as well so anyway it's just if that's a little note it's worth maybe taking a peek um, as the hooded figure here passes Diana down to the pits, he says, remember, um, and Diana apparently instantly remembers who this person is. Uh, again, we'll get to that later. Okay. Then on page eight, we've got this very, uh, narration heavy bit. Uh, I believe it's supposed to be from the Batman who laughs because at the end he, well, it's first of all, it's in red text, right? Mm-hmm. But also at the end, he cackles like a bastard. And um, uh, it's this narration over a very sketchy blue image of uh, Bruce as Batman. And this is a, a motif that repeats a few times through the issue. So I don't know if this is supposed to be like a chapter break. Um, Snyder started using chapter breaks.
0: In The Last on
2: Earth.
1: Yeah, Last Night on Earth. I don't think he was doing him in metal, was he?
2: I don't think so. Uh, um, but, yeah, that's what it seems like. But, interestingly, this is the only one with text, and yeah, this is, like, straight up, like, something out of his Batman run. This is, like, the Potter's Field.
1: Yep, Potter's Field. This is Gates of Gotham-type shit. Yes,
0: yep, um, yes.
1: Where the, the narration basically describes a revolutionary uh, – Unit of Gotham soldiers, I guess, who hid in the tunnels and they beat these drums to spook the British before they attacked. And eventually the, the British set fire to the tunnels, uh, killing them all. They called themselves the Dead Bats, but the British started calling them the Dead Beats after their drums went silent after they all died. So, kind of a tragic story there, but th- that will come back around. Uh, before this issue's over, um, so yeah, that's a little bit of exposition, like you said, Zach. Very Snyder Batman, uh, Secret History of Gotham exposition type stuff. But I think when I first read that page, I was like, Ah, shit, here we go again, <laughs> you know. But the way that it pays off, it it turns out that it's not it's not so important to the overall. St- I I thought this was going to be like a crucial cog to the story. But really what it is, is it just sets up one scene later in this issue with a pretty damn good payoff. So uh, I I would say it's worth it, right?
0: Mm -hmm. I agree.
1: Um, On page nine, we see Castle Bat, and we see the uh, Joker Dragons... Kind of patrolling the sky, and we see these uh, little robins perched on the building. What are they called? They're they're like goblins. Goblins. Gro- gro- that's right. Goblins. Robin goblins, I guess. Um. That's just a one-page spread or a one-panel page there. Um, then we get a double-page spread where we're kind of catching up with some of the other Justice League or Gotham characters. We see Harley. Harley is the hunter of the wastelands so she rides a, a hyena. hyena around um, hunting for for potential prisoners. Uh, Dr. Arkham, which is a that's a Bruce facsimile that's not like that's not uh, what's his name Arkham from Jeremiah Arkham or anything like that. That's that's like a Bruce Dr. Arkham. Um, we see Aquaman with a bat Cthulhu character.
0: Uh there's a name for that thing that Scott said. Uh, uh Bat Bath. Bat, bat, Th- and Matt. bat and Matt, yeah. Yeah.
1: Um we see, of course, Wonder Woman Swamp Thing and Batmage here. We see Mr. Miracle, who's the guardian of New Apocalypse. We see Dark Father, <laughs> who's a Dark Side Batman. Um which is a pretty great image. And we see uh I just, I just want
2: to say what the there's a funny bit um where Mr. Miracle says Superman is almost succumbed to the anti-life and then Dark Father says you can see him here in projection and just <laughs> yeah. has like a projection of Superman riding his big
0: elliptical like,
2: Yeah, yeah, his <laughs> fourth Hell world on. elliptical, yeah, yeah, yeah. basically.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's pretty great. Again, just like totally nutty with it. Um, wacky stuff. Very good. Um, we we understand that Earth Twenty Two has fallen at this point, which I believe is the Kingdom Come Earth. Yes, uh, and that there's only eight Earths remaining. And of course, once they're all gone, then Perpetua can blah blah blah. It's the it's the bad guy thing. Like, once all the Earths are dealt with, then Perpetua can remake the universe in her image. Whatever. Um, at this point, Bruce begins contacting Diana through telepathy through the through the um, Martian Manhunter link that we saw them establish in Snyder's Justice League, and they kind of have a debate on what they're going to do about this, about you know the state of the world and everything, and Bruce kind of thinks that. You know, they can maybe they can maybe get into Castle Bat, create, find the technology to create their own world, sneak to their, their own world with how many allies they can gather, and kind of regroup and just save whatever's left and maybe, you know, try to chip away at this thing. Wonder Woman has a different idea. She thinks that they need to save everything. Um, it all matters. That's the thing that Scott keeps coming back to in, in interviews, that, you know, Wonder Woman... Uh, sees this as an all or nothing type deal, and that's the sort of effort that they need to put in to win. So, um, any anything you guys want to add about that? Uh,
0: I, I think it's a it's a pretty good distillation of the two characters that Bruce would be looking at this like a street level hero mm-hmm. of like we have to put out the fire right now, and then maybe we can rebuild later. But right now there's a there's a building on fire, and we have to deal with that. Whereas Wonder Woman is very much the. um, She comes from a land of paradise and she sees the best possibilities always. And so I I think it's a nice distillation of their two characters. Yeah.
1: Yep. All right. So then, uh, you know, they're talking about what they remember from their battle uh, against Perpetua. This harkens back to the ending of Snyder's Justice League where we saw them meet with the quintessence and go through that door. Um, on this page we see the Justice League touching a hand coming out of a portal with blue energy sort of uh, electrifying its way through all of them. And then on the panel below we see the purple a purple hand coming out, shooting energy at them and they're all sort of melting away, very skeletal image. Um, And so it's kind of showing you uh, the image of the positive energy versus the negative chaos energy that they'll talk about. We'll talk about later in the issue when they get to it, but it's showing you something that they'll describe more directly later in the issue. Um, Okay. So at this point, the Batman who laughs senses that Diana is keeping a secret from him and in order to keep her in line, he threatens to burn down the Parliament of Trees. At this point, a bat arrow flies out of the woods and the uh, the little goblins uh, jump in front of the batman who laughs to take the take the blow. And uh, out from the woods steps Bruce. He's wearing like an invisibility cloak um, at this point. and I, I like I like the little touches like this. I like how fantastical this feels. I like how this is like a fantasy, you know, this is almost like uh, sword and sorcery type things uh, happening in this series. There's, there's kind of like a heavy metal dungeons and dragons element to it.
0: Would you guys agree or. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a fair way to put it.
1: Yeah. You have any, any additional thoughts about that, about the aesthetic of this whole thing?
0: I think it's a little hard to tell if this is going to be the aesthetic of the series or just the first issue. So I'll probably have more to say about it in the future.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I I do like it as a, as a baseline fiction for, for what a possible apocalypse for them looks like. I think, you know, comparing it to something like last night on earth, which has a very similar premise, I would say. I think I prefer the aesthetics of this.
2: Uh, yeah, de- I would agree, definitely. Yes. Oh.
1: All right. So, um, you know, Bruce steps out, reveals himself. Uh, the Batman who laughs orders the minions to to attack. We see a Plastic Man bat. We see a Etrigan bat. We got a Clayface bat, a Deathstroke bat. Uh, there's a Scarecrow bat. There's a bat there- that
0: flummoxed you for a little while.
1: Yeah, yes. Yep. It's um, shit. Now it's good. it's from Batman Year Two. What the hell was his name?
0: The Reaper. That
2: the Reaper. Said?
1: Thank you. Yes. Yes. It was the Reaper.
2: Uh
1: yeah. Yeah. So all kinds of different Bat uh, characters attacking, and um, and yeah, kind basically overtaking the heroes at this point, point. and this is where the setup for that Revolutionary War. Uh, Gotham Deadbeats part pays off because the Batman who laughs says uh, what, just standing there not fighting back? The brave men and women buried here, they'd be disappointed. I mean, what would you say to them right now? And Bruce says, just one word really rise. (laughs) And he's got a Black Lantern ring.
0: I did not see this coming. Zach said that Snyder has mentioned this in an interview. I did not see this coming.
1: I didn't see it coming either. He's mentioned... I saw, I've seen him mention Blackest Night as an event as something he was going to touch on. Yeah, I
2: I can't remember where I read it, but I, like, I knew about this beforehand, so he must have mentioned it somewhere, like, offhand. Yeah, and Bruce has a Black Lantern ring, like, you know how, you know how he does, like, I I can't remember where, uh, where I, like, had read it, but. Yeah, I, I wish I like hadn't known about it because it's like such a good reveal. Like this is total Zacknip. Um, but yeah, very very good. I want to know the story of how he got this ring.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm normally the spoilers boy where I I don't care that if I'm spoiled or not. I'm I'm fine with it. I'm pretty glad that I didn't read about that moment ahead of See, time. This is what
0: was, this is what not spoilers can do for you, Vince.
1: I guess. I mean. Usually, usually I'm not this like much of a mark though like usually I'm just like whatever um, but that that was a legitimately fun and surprising moment for me um, okay so uh, so the so at this point the dead beats the revolutionary soldiers rise from the dirt we also get uh, Jonah Hex <laughs> rises <laughs> which is incredible that another great moment he's got a he's got a motorcycle um it's a skeletal motorcycle that he gives to bruce but um it reminded me it doesn't look at all like it but it reminded me of the fact that jonah hex in his apocalyptic future uh 80s miniseries or i guess maxi series um
2: oh hey I, sorry, I hate to interrupt, but I see, I found out where I knew about that. It's from the solicit of the death metal guidebook. It uh, it in there. That, it's going to have a story of how Batman finds the Black Lantern ring.
0: Oh, okay. Mm-hmm.
2: That's, that's where it was from.
0: All right. Shoot. I read that too, but I guess it just didn't, yeah. it didn't it sink didn't, in. It didn't sink in.
1: Alright, so Bruce takes off on this motorcycle and Hex but goes to join the battle. You
0: were saying about Hex, the 80s series?
1: Oh, yeah. He rides a motorcycle around the desert in that, and it just reminded me of that. It doesn't look like this motorcycle, but...
0: But it's a hear, motorcycle.
1: It is a motorcycle.
0: Yes. Um,
1: Alright, then on page 18, we are on the bone planet of Osex, planet made of living bone, and we see... Lobo poking around, digging out a chest that has uh, something in it. Uh, Zach, did you read anything that spoiled what's in the chest?
2: No, I have no idea what's in the chest.
0: Okay, um, I don't either. Vince, oh, you know ahead. what this reminded me of? What? DC 1 million number four. Ah, ah
1: yes, yes. Yes, good point.
0: Just put that out there. Zach, yep. um, put that on the world. Yeah,
2: um, I'll I'll file that away for later.
0: Say hi to the princesses for us, Zach. Say hi to the
2: princesses.
0: It's a Bill and Ted reference. You're to say, what does that mean? And I say, you you'll see.
2: Oh, I've never I've never seen Bill and Ted. Fuck
0: so. you, really?
2: Uh, okay, okay, Bill and Ted, Austin
1: Powers.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. For as much as you like sixty-nine jokes, you need to cease. <laughs> <old one. laughs> All right. So whatever is in this chest, it's the
1: quote key to everything. Um, we also don't really know who he's communicating with at this point either. There's there's some voice in his head, the, or do we know?
0: I don't think we know. But I was going to ask: Can we take bets on what we think that is?
2: Ah, uh, sure. Yeah.
0: Do you guys have any thoughts?
2: It's got to be a space dolphin. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. Um, I hope that Scott includes the space dolphins if he's going to bring in Lobo, because that's they need to bring him back.
1: Well, I, I don't know if I know what this means, but I kind of think that that's the death metal.
2: Ah. Uh,
0: I could see that. Okay, yeah. See, the thought I had... I don't. I think it's too on the nose for what we just saw, but I was kind of thinking, well, it's been a long time since we've seen a White Lantern. Mm. That maybe to you know to combat all this death, you need something to let them all be reborn. Sure, um, but I think that's too easy. Hmm. I don't know.
1: Yeah, that's a good. That's a good one, though. I'm gonna say it's whatever the Death Metal is. Um, but yeah, well, that's one of the, one of the mysteries of this comic that will uh, remain a mystery by the end. So we'll see it in a future issue. I'm sure. Okay. Next page. Uh, we have one of those, um, blue sketch pages that we talked about. This one says power chords, and it's just an image of Diana. Um, and then we have, uh, diana entering the tartarus pit to talk to the new prisoner that came at this point alec is uh, talking about how weak he is he can't he can't fight alongside her that's pretty evident just from the way he looks uh it looks like you could blow him over with your breath um so diana enters the uh ninth level of hell uh and we find out that this hooded figure is wally west but not just wally west it's it's the Manhattanized Wally West, <laughs> which I think is very funny because that happened at the end of the uh, Flash Forward series, but there was supposed to be a free Comic Book Day issue between then and now that theoretically probably gave us a little more context. Yes. <laughs> and now we have none. So,
0: in a way, I, I feel like this is part of the meta commentary. Of, of this book, in the sense that this is—I mean—just think about all the things we've talked about in the first like twenty pages of this book that we hadn't seen in a while: Sergeant Rock, Lobo, Jonah Hex, uh, and and now Wally West. Not that we haven't seen Wally in a little while, but we haven't seen Wally in this guise interact with anybody. Doctor Manhattan, Wally has just been in that flash-forward book, and that's it. And so Snyder and Capullo are really bringing in like the entirety of what the DCU is right now. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So um, at this point, it's it's doubled down on the fact that uh, Wonder Woman doesn't remember how the Earth got to be the way that it is. Um, and so she's asking Wally about it while simultaneously kind of comforting him. Um, and on the next page, while well, it's a double page spread, this is the big one. This is, <laughs> this is like that crisis gabagool, you guys. Um, where do we even begin? So, so this double page spread is Capullo doing a little image for each of the different crises not not all seven but uh five of the seven established crises uh it's too bad that um what uh, convergence didn't get mm. <laughs> its due yeah the convergence and flashpoint. crisis flashpoint. and flashpoint yeah
2: although <laughs> you could i guess you could argue that uh parallax could count for either zero hour or conversions oh
1: yeah yeah yeah
2: yeah, yeah, yeah um yep.
1: And Wally yeah. West speaking just speaks to like the flashpoint.
2: <laughs> sure, sure.
1: Ready really see it, but um, so you get Capullo doing like his own riff on uh, the Anti Monitor of Crisis, and you get um, Alexander Luther, Superboy Prime, and uh, one of those Omac automatons from Infinite Crisis. You've got. Um, the monitor and dark side from final crisis you've got hal as parallax from 00, um, hour. Zero hour you've got the metal the dark knights from the original metal um, grouped in the bottom right corner and you've got perpetua overlooking all of it and you get a wall of text basically explaining basically explaining everything right <laughs> so like so like Let's talk about let's talk about this aspect. Um, Snyder lays it out that there's a positive energy and a negative energy and the positive are things like the speed force, the emotional spectrum and this nebulous idea of justice that he kind of dealt with during his Justice League run. Right. Just the idea, the idea of justice and that people would side with it. And then the, the negative,
2: the, the seven elements of which I think we still only got six of them, but whatever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. I also uh, that's fun.
2: what you—that's what you should have asked him in, in the interview, Brian. What, <laughs> what's, what's the that? other one?
0: That's what Lobo found in the box, guys.
2: <laughs> oh.
0: And it's sexual energy.
2: Yeah. Um, him and him and Booty. <laughs> it's big dick energy. It's big dick energy
1: big bastard energy yeah <laughs> um and then the negative the negative pole of power is crisis energy anti-life chaos magic and the idea of doom which we again we saw in snyder's justice league um he says that you know the positive energies are connective and additive whereas the negative energies shatter connections they're selfish uh, he talks about how they, they make it so that only one moment matters, so that it's only me, me, me type type thing. Just, just a, a very, like, uh, sort of metaphysical, metatextual concept of, of how superhero comic books work, right? He's basically equating crisis energy with the destruction of things. Um, not being additive, taking things away right Mm -hmm. in that way I feel like he kind of is setting up you know when, when he refers to death metal as an anti crisis I kind of feel like that plays into this where like he's very decidedly making a crisis level story that's hopefully going to be far more additive in the end than it is destructive does that sound reasonable
0: yeah uh, again, I'm sorry for the constant harping on this interview.
1: But... No, it's it's important. It's the way that Scott, you know, tells us a lot is yeah. through interviews.
0: One of the things that he said today was that during sort of the dark times with DC in preparation for this, they wanted him to do this as something crisis, and he said no, it's death metal. Like he was very specific; that he did not want to call this a crisis which I found very interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah.
1: Okay, so um this reminded me a lot of the remember in Crisis on Infinite Earths when you had the monitor and the anti-monitor like shooting those beams at one another and apparently they were locked in battle for like a millennia yes. or something. Mm-hmm. That's what this all reminds me of. That like this positive and negative polarity I mean, it's a simple concept. It's a very common concept. You know, every action has an equal but opposite reaction, right? So it only makes sense that there's two opposing forces. And But it really does play into that crisis on Infinite Earth's spirit, right? Um, we learn at this point that Wally still has some of that connective energy in him, but he's too weak at this point to really do anything, whereas Perpetua is very strong at this point. I... He still got the Manhattan symbol on his forehead, so it stands to reason that he still got some of that that positive energy in him. Um, we also learn a bit, a bit, a bit about the backstory of Perpetua and, you know, whatever Perpetua's alien race or whatever you want to call it is, that they birth multiverses, but usually they die in service of the multiverse, whereas Perpetua lived on because she used crisis energy to create her multiverse and it, it created chaos and he, Snyder describes it as a, or Wally describes it as a, a multiverse with no memory. And so it preys on others. It forgets people regularly. And that's sort of Snyder's excuse for why certain characters get forgotten over the years or tossed out with new status quos and things like that. Um, it, Wally also talks about how, at this point, Perpetua was got trapped in the Source Wall by the members of her race or colony or whatever, hoping that the the multiverse would grow beyond her and that she would learn to love it and not not attack it with the with you know chaos energy or whatever. Um, but from behind the wall, somehow she was able to stoke these different crises. So, you know, if if we're to believe this perpetua is basically the catalyst for all the crises at this point is that
2: am i reading that right i mean yes essentially like she is like the the big big bad you know what this reminds me of the the bit in uh final crisis beyond uh where morrison like recontextualizes all the crises up to that point and like re mythologizes them that this is pretty much that moment mm-hmm. here. Um,
1: yeah. And, and this, this story is really in, in a lot of ways Snyder doing like a, a, a mini Morrison spin on things.
2: Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Um, yeah. Which is,
1: which is delightful. And I love, I gotta say, I love this double page spread. I love when artists get to do their own spin on classic imagery. And so I love seeing Capullo play with these different crises and, and show these very familiar images of these characters, but, you know, under his own uh, pencils.
0: I think yeah, it looks great. It's a pretty gorgeous double page spread. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, Indeed. All right, so on the next, after the double-page spread, um, Wally explains that the Batman Who Laughs uh, hooked Perpetua up with the dark multiverse where the greatest crises are always happening as long as they are remembered, which is why the Batman Who Laughs needs the League to still be around and working for him rather than than him just killing them off, which, (laughs) to me, that's like... I know this is all made up and the points don't matter, but that's like the biggest stretch to me. Like, Oh, they need to remember that the crises happened. So we have to keep them around, you know, it's,
0: (laughs) it's pretty silly comic looking.
1: It is, it is, but you know, you gotta, you gotta have some of that.
2: Oh, of course. I think.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: So, at this point, Wonder Woman has the idea to re-enter the different crises and harness the energy that Perpetua is feeding off of to reshape the universe in their own image, the, the Justice League's own image, which is an interesting idea. That's a very, like, Avengers Endgame idea in some ways, that they have to go back to each of these monumental moments in time and change something about them you know uh so it'll be interesting to see whether if that actually plays out or not but um but yeah surely that'll be handled in a future issue um at this point uh this is where the this is where the idea that it's this is the anti-crisis uh dubbed so by the batman who laughs right did I mention that there was a there was a nice little moment in this issue with the Batman who laughs where he talks about uh, how everybody's so sick of him?
0: No. <laughs> yes,
2: he like says it. He he's like, "Oh, it's me. You, <laughs> you hate me. Uh, I'm back again. Sorry." And I'm like, "Yes, absolutely. Thank you."
0: <laughs> I'm not enough of a wrestling fan. I, I, if I if I texted James Johnson, he'd know this. There's a term for like. When you're a bad guy in wrestling, you're a heel, right? And you get yeah. Yeah. you get you get heat. But there's two kinds of heat. There's the heat that like you get because you're good at being a bad guy, and then there's the heat you get because people just literally hate you and want you to go <laughs> away. And I feel like the Batman who laughs is admitting he has that kind of heat, right now. Yeah. yeah.
2: says, Oh, I know, I know. You again. You're so we're so sick of you.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yes.
2: Yeah.
1: And that's um, one of that's one of the few times
0: I just googled it. It's called X Pac Heat. So he has he has X Pac Heat.
1: <laughs> I'm I'm expecting him at one point to tell us all the
0: suck it. At some <laughs> point that that is coming, you know that. So. <laughs> well, I don't know. No, it, is, it has to come in the next yeah, page I, and a half or so, I guess. But yeah, right.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, hey, it wouldn't be the first time Snyder uh, did a Jokerized character who was only his head bouncing around talking and making dick jokes so it's just um where was i oh yeah there's a couple moments in this issue where snyder speaks to the audience in that way or or it gets a little meta and i appreciate those because i really do think i mean we know it because we've talked to him so many times now um scott is very self-reflective when it comes to his work right and and I can see him totally taking the feedback, like that the Batman Who Laughs was too much too soon. Uh, I feel like we've spent the last you know three years reading Batman Who Laughs comics, right? He's surely aware of that, and so I I don't think he's hurt. By the idea that people got sick of him, you know. I think it's I mean just... he's
2: clearly very popular. He was villain of the year. Like he is <laughs> a right. well loved character That's by true. many readers. Yes. Um yeah. Yes.
1: But Scott understands the duality of that,
2: right? Sure. Yes.
0: Villain of the year. Forgot about that. <laughs> Never forget. <laughs> Never forget.
1: Alright. Um, so at this point, uh the Batman Who Laughs is Kind of uh, trying to rein Diana in because he senses that that Diana's you know still trying to work against him. Um, he kind of dangles Diana's uh, sisters. I would assume some of the Amazonians who are being kept on a New Apocalypse. I think is what sure. he says. As as sort of prisoners, they're not being kept in this in the prisons of hell that Diana's overseeing, they're being kept somewhere else. He's saying something will happen to them if, if you know, if she tries to move against him. Also that he's gonna give Diana and her allies their own planet that they'll be safe on and they can look after everybody there as long as they can as long as Perpetua and the Batman Who Laughs can do whatever they want with the rest of the universe.
0: That's a very Mormon ideal, by the way. <laughs>
1: Are you saying that the Batman Who Laughs is wearing magic underwear right now?
0: I'm just saying he might be. Okay,
1: all right. Uh, uh, At this point, Diana pulls the cord on the uh, Chainsaw of Truth, and the next page is an invisible chainsaw tearing through The Batman Who Laughs. Which again is such an like this along with the Black Lantern ring are two incredibly satisfying moments <laughs> in this issue. <laughs> it's pretty great to see him get ripped apart.
0: Do we think it's legit?
1: I think so. I think, that, I think so. Yeah. I think because of the imagery of uh, what? Who was carrying? Was it her carrying uh, his skull around in the in the promo images? Yes. Yeah. So I think it's legit, Um, and I think I think it's it's what any good event does, where you know the the true big bad of all of this has yet to enter into things, right? Like it's it's probably going to be Perpetua,
2: while we see someone we do well, yes. yes,
1: yeah. Oh man, which is just nutty. Okay, we'll get we'll get to it in a second. Okay, so the Batman who laughs ostensibly is killed at that moment. We get Batmage uh, entering Castle Bat through a portal to talk to the Groblins uh, about how the Batman who laughs is dead and it's time to initiate the final plan. <laughs> he presses uh upside down smiley face, like the reverse he, Watchman button. He
2: presses the button. He presses the, the button.
0: button. The button.
2: The and it's the anti-button. It's the anti-button. It is the anti-button.
0: Quite literally, the anti-button. Yeah.
1: And the groblins congregate around this door which slides open and a figure in silhouette with another Dr. Manhattan symbol on his forehead (laughs) appears as Batmage says, prepare the body of the final Bruce Wayne. (laughs) Which is just (laughs) like nutty beyond words that of course we're going to get a Dr. Manhattan Bruce
0: (laughs) well we've gotten it it's funny because at first I was like that kind of came out of nowhere but then I realized no we had a Flash Bruce and a Wonder Woman Bruce and a Superman Bruce and like this is just the last superhero that DC can use in their own version (laughs) of Bruce Wayne right just the logical extension of everything else yeah
1: it it completely is. It's the it's the ultimate self suck. It goes back <laughs> to like four years ago, Brian, when when Doomsday Clock, when the full ramifications of Doomsday Clock revealed themselves, uh, or I guess it was DC Universe Rebirth. You mm-hmm. know, you you said it yourself. This is DC's last gambit. There's no other characters they can bring into this universe other than the Watchmen characters that would make any sort of Earth move, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it stands to reason that the final Bruce Wayne could only be Dr. Manhattan, because who else could it be?
0: <laughs> see, it's I have this theory that, that I don't think I've ever said out loud before. I think it may not happen in our lifetimes, but it will happen in our children's lifetimes, that we will see the ultimate either hero or villain of the Marvel Universe in story to be stan lee like that is the ultimate (laughs) final marvel move is making stan lee an in car an in-universe superhero dc doesn't have as clean a creator as that and so it has to be dr manhattan (laughs) who did create the dc (laughs) yes exactly yeah it's just although i do
2: think eventually one day jeff johns will make alan moore like the villain of the dc (laughs) that,
0: that that may very well happen as well yes <laughs> I hope I'm alive to see it. Um <laughs> yeah. So so
1: yeah, the impossibly nutty, just stupidly audacious at this point. It's um, a great
0: word for, a great term for. It. It's stupidly yeah. audacious.
1: <laughs> if there were any if there's any idea that DC was trying to run from doomsday clock or pretend that it didn't exist, this kind of puts the fucking nail in that coffin.
0: Well, so can I talk about that for a second? Sure, yeah. So I feel like this is the ultimate fuck you to Dan DeDio. because I think that ultimately they had to decide at one point, like, is 5G going to happen or are we going to follow up Doomsday Clock? Mm. And it seemed like DeDio had won out that 5G was going to happen. And with DiDio out now, it seems like Everybody is free to reference Doomsday Clock again.
2: Sure. Well, but it's weird because like Doomsday Clock referenced 5G though. Was that and, just like, seemed to set up five G. That was, was that one John's sentence though. A, yeah.
1: Was that John's being a team? I mean, it player, was like or? several
2: pages though. Like it was like it, it wasn't just like one. It was like there's a lot that went into that. Like, it was a couple pages.
0: No, there really wasn't, because there was a lot of, like, looking to the future. But there was one line about 5G. I, but,
2: but that was, like, the whole, like, it was, like, and in the year 2025, you know, after five years of the heroes doing this thing, it I think it's it was more than I think you're recalling.
1: Well, we'll know when we do our... Uh... When we do our our (laughs) doomsday (laughs) clock, yeah, yeah. um, yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, without doing some like tell-all DC book about what was going on in editorial around these times, which I would love, I would love to read one of those from like fifty-two to the present. It
0: has to. It has to be framed by the Didio era, so it has. It has to start with like Infinite Crisis, for sure. You know
2: I'll talk. I'm an open book.
0: <laughs> that's Man. that's
2: not Dio. That's um. That's
0: Bernie Sanders.
2: <laughs> did you did you guys see the thing about the Metal Men book by Mike Allred and um, I think I want to say Kyle Baker. That may not be right. Um,
0: I didn't see this. What is it from no.
2: like from like oh five that got nixed uh, because the Metalmen are Dan Didio's favorite characters and he thought it was too goofy. And to oh. Silver Age specifically, which I've, like, I like cackled because like it, that era is just defined by like bringing back Silver Age characters. Um...
1: <laughs> <laughs> what?
2: Yeah, I'll I'll find I'll I'll. Bleeding Cool had a thing about it. I'll find it and send it to you guys. Man,
0: yeah. I okay. I've I I, I said this to you guys. I am actively trying to get Dan deal on this show. And yeah. not because I want him to dish on current gossip so much, but like I want to ask him about about '52 stuff. I want to ask him about <laughs> like you know that era. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh,
2: Evan Dorkin. It was Evan Dorkin mm. and Ooh, Michael
0: Red. That is an interesting yeah. group. It's Evan Dorkin, in '05, was pretty up and coming. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and apparently it like went pretty far. Like there is um, like artwork not, not not like finished, but more like rough outlines um, from the project. So, yeah, I think we're gonna start getting that stuff. And like DiDio, like talked about it, and uh, which is like how it started. Someone asked him about it um in an interview recently. So nice. Yeah, I think All he's right. I think he's gonna start talking.
1: Let's get loosey goosey.
0: Uh, <laughs> Yesterday right, was Flag
1: so, Day. It's a holiday. The, <laughs> all right. So anyway, we got the the body of the final Bruce Wayne. Um. And. Uh, I think it's a little interesting also that like, again, the last night on Earth stuff. The answer to that was that. The big bad was Omega Bruce Wayne like remember that
2: yeah
0: Mm -hmm.
1: so like perhaps the final villain of this is also another (laughs) version of bruce wayne
2: (laughs) i'm telling you guys batman is the worst and like bruce wayne's an awful character and that's what scott's been trying to tell us forever um i think he's right really sucks
1: i think he's right um okay so then we got the last page, which is again it goes back to the kind of the bookends. Uh, Sergeant Rock is uh, ra- still ranting about what you do after you ram the turd burger in your enemy's throat, um, and Batman Bruce, uh, original Bruce, appears behind him. Original recipe, Thank- Bruce. <laughs> original, or- or- famous original Bruce, <laughs> <laughs> not to be confused with original famous Bruce. Right, right. Um, he picks him up. He says, "We're doing. We have one last fight. Everybody's in," and he picks Sergeant Rock up, whose spinal cord is dangling. (laughs) It's a very uh, gruesome scene, and he carries him off. And to be continued. That's the end of issue one, guys.
2: Also, very reminiscent of the Joker head. (laughs) Yes, Yes, yes,
1: the Joker head in the. Yep. Yep. This was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed this. I think it looked great. I love Capullo's art. It's, um, Capullo is, I, I think the reason why he's so popular is that he, he evokes kind of that 90s image. He, he's like the evolution of that 90s image style, right? I mean, he worked on Spawn for quite a while i think there's something about his art that 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 has that soul to it but i think he's so much better than a lot of that stuff and i think part of it's because he's not so self-serious i think a lot of this art is so goofy like batmage looks goofy and is supposed to look goofy i think and uh, and it just works so well um I think a lot of the fun of this is just seeing Snyder and Capullo let loose and do their thing.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's good. They they work really well together.
0: This also feels earned in a lot of ways. Like they're they're definitely going out on top, but they've done enough at DC that this is good. It's good mm-hmm. for them to to do this. I feel like maybe even at the point of metal the first metal maybe it felt like they weren't as um as integral to like dc history as they are but like we've all said like metal is essentially a crisis and now it seems like they are they are the type of creators that rightly should have this sort of swan song project
2: yeah yeah
1: Anything else you guys want to talk about, or...?
0: Um, I mean, I think this issue is really fun. I think that this is essentially the best version of this type of story from these creators that we could expect.
1: Yeah. I mean, I really do think there's, there's a lot of parallels to the Last Night on Earth, but I think that... Already, this story is doing a kind of similar thing, so much better.
0: Well, remember, that was supposed to be the final word on. (laughs) Yeah. Well, first it was supposed to be Snyder and Sean Murphy. And then. Oh, that's right. And then Snyder said, like, no, this isn't. If this is really the last Batman story, I got to do this with Gregor's. But I feel like that what i don't know if that's if it's because it came out as like a black label book but that didn't feel like a fitting conclusion to me
2: yeah no this this feels much more um that yeah i i agree that that really even it definitely didn't feel like a fitting conclusion to like their work in general It it really like didn't even like feel like a fitting conclusion to their batman
0: run agreed
2: um. Yeah. No. I. I'm thinking that this will be much more that. Yeah. I. I. Last night on Earth was like a fun Elseworlds to me. I guess. Mm-hmm. This is like. Important.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm. I'm. I'm just. I'm just so happy that like comics are back and that this turned out to be good. I know you guys are like in your in your the glory of the nineties right now and, and I'm enjoying that stuff too, but I I really do want new comics and, and I do hunger for whatever's next. So I
0: want new good comics. This makes me very happy. <laughs> but you know, no offense. A lot of the shit that's been coming out even before the shutdown, a lot of the stuff that was coming out just wasn't inspiring to me.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm excited to only read this for the next like eight <laughs> months, much like I only read um, House of X, Powers of Ten, and then I'll go all in on what comes after. Uh
1: huh. Well, I I'm supposed to be coming up with a list for you guys to read for our uh, our catch up show. Shows, yeah. Right? right. Yeah. So I'm gonna force I, you to read some other stuff that's I, that's pretty I'll darn read, good too.
2: So. I'll read Green Lantern. <laughs> and that's not
1: what <laughs> it's not you, it's not we keep, it's not worth talking about on the show <sighs> i don't want to do it <laughs> <laughs> i'm not going to make you read strange adventures too
0: okay <laughs> did you see how in in the span of like an hour it was announced that that was uh bi-monthly now maybe every 2 months and then they walked it back instantaneously no yeah.
2: no I didn't see the walk back yeah oh, I mean
1: who gives a shit <laughs> that's that's how I
0: feel well folks thanks for listening to this special bonus episode uh, we will be back you've gotten a lot of us this week but we'll be back next week with, with even more and uh, are we going to do one of these episodes for each issue of Death Metal
1: I kind of think we should
0: I'd be game for that. We'll see if we can talk Zach into it. It's all about talking Zach into it at this point
2: i w- I would rather do that than talk about the current books
0: all right Deal. <laughs> we can we can we can we can find compromise here we'll see we'll we can, see. We can find compromise here um if you need to get in touch with two thirds of us, Zach and I are on Twitter. I am at Brian needs a app I am at Woker Fox. If you need to find Vince, he has been using the the pandemic time, like so many of us, to get better at cooking. And uh, you should try his most recent delicacy, the turd burger.
1: (laughs) I made it myself.
0: (laughs) Thanks for listening, folks. Enjoy death metal. We'll talk to you soon. And then not five minutes later, ding, email. Hey, Brian, hope that was okay today, buddy. (laughs)